Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to the Federal Executive Forum celebrating 17 years of profiling excellence in government IT mission programs. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss critical issues facing government and industry leaders with their cybersecurity strategies and solutions. With me on today's show are Ron Pontius, Deputy to the Commander, U.S. Army Cyber Command. Robert Costello, Chief Information Officer, Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency at DHS. Mark Sinkovich, Federal Director at Illumio. Jim Richberg, Field Chief Information Security Officer at Fortinet Public Sector. And David Surgeon, Managing Director, National Security Group, Verizon. Well, we're talking about cybersecurity. Ron, we're going to start with you. I always like to ask anybody that comes on the show that's at the Army, just, just the breadth and scope of the Army, because I think that's really important. And then tell us about the state of the state of U.S. Army Command. You've got a lot of things going on over there, Ron. Yes, and it's uh, Luke, it's great to be here today and share uh, the many great things we have going on in the United States Army. And when you talk about the scope and scale, that's always a challenge when you, you think about 1.4 million users in the Army between the active, the guard and the reserve, uh, the military and civilians. So just the scope and scale of what we do in the Army and also from the enterprise to the tactical environment. And so when we talk about, you know, what's some really big progress, 2021, I think as we've all been experiencing, you know, the, the pandemic and what it really meant over the last two years about the, the significant move to remote operations and, and teleworking and, and how we've really moved to a hybrid environment. And what the Army did over the last year, I tie cybersecurity with a capability. And that is the Army really accelerated um, the move to uh, the Microsoft product of Office 365, what we call Army 365. Mm. And, and we've rolled that out uh, pretty quickly. We're about a 70% migration with our existing Defense Enterprise email over to the Army 365. But that really is about having the collaboration tools in a in a more defendable environment and so it really is about bringing together both the cybersecurity and the operational aspect to be able for the army to to work effectively and efficiently and so that's a really big progress here over throughout 2021 as we move into 2022 sure uh sounds like a lot of moving parts over there robert costello uh newly appointed congratulations chief information officer over at CISA. Been over there for a, a short few months. A lot of responsibility over at CISA these days. What are you finding? Give us the state of the state. Yeah, no, thank you, Luke. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. So here at CISA, we're, we're really excited about what's going to happen in, in 2022. So uh, to your point, uh, a few months into the position. So what I'm really excited about is, is growing my team, uh, working with everyone uh, with the direction uh, that the agency is taking now. We're a lot more visible than we were before. So rolling out new solutions. Uh, to uh, the Army's point, we are absolutely a hybrid workforce, and that is absolutely critical to us right now, ensuring that our field operations staff has good technology and can safely access our systems. Uh, we're also really excited over here uh, about the work we're doing to really lead, uh, you know, internally, uh, 
on, on the cyber front, you know, making sure that I have the right systems in place to support our operators, making sure that our FISMA score is really the best in DHS eventually. And, and then also uh, in, ensuring that we're doing the right things by our people, that we're training them correctly, that they have access to everything that they need to be successful in their careers, both uh, technically uh, and, and on the leadership front. So those are the things that, that we're really driving towards the, the rest of FY22, and it's going to be a very exciting year. No, no doubt that uh, obviously the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the environment inside of CISA being the organization that's do, uh, you know, responsible for all the cyber activities across the federal government, critical infrastructure, et cetera, need to be the shining example. Tall order for you there. Uh, Mark, how about at Illumio? Uh, give us a state of the state about what you're seeing out there, critical uh, partner to the ecosystem and making sure that we secure these environments, particularly as they get more complex. Yeah, good morning, Luke. Thank you for asking the question. I think the biggest... Uh challenge or uh, item that we see out there is uh, in the government, we obviously work with the federal government very closely. Uh, they're working on obviously a lot of ICAM uh, network and device type of uh, zero trust initiatives. Uh, what we are trying to really remind readers is none of these areas are going to stop the lateral movement of a cyber attack. And we've been studying what happened with the solar winds attack? And in some cases, some of those things are still ongoing. And what we're concerned about at Illumio is what was stolen by the Russian SVR organization, that's the intelligence organization from FireEye, for example, and how they're probably planning uh, a series of even more devastating attacks than the ones that have been perpetrated thus far. Um, and we're uh, working with uh, various elements, including uh, the Department of the Air Force specifically to help them stop the lateral movement of an attack, because we know that these uh, even more devastating attacks are going to be coming down the pike. Uh, so uh, it's about um, two initiatives, right? Uh, evangelizing that this is a major problem that we have to address, uh, not only commercially, because we've been doing this for a long time, but also federally, but also then showing people how we can do that through uh, micro-segmentation. Yeah, I always use the analogy with uh, the layperson that, uh, you know, the, the, the fire uh, community taught us a long time ago that they want to put these fire breaks in place so that you don't burn the entire row house down, uh, uh, the entire row of row houses down. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Putting these blocks in place so that you can't just go into this, uh, this lateral movement, which uh, does a considerable amount of damage. Jim, how about over at Fortinet? You all are uh, ha have a unique opportunity to look across the uh, the spectrum there. What's the state of the state? What are you seeing? Good afternoon, Luke. So let me build on the, the comments that Ron and Rob have made. Clearly, everyone in the federal government made this pivot to working remotely. And now we're talking about what is the hybrid environment post-COVID going to look like? Uh, we've supported the federal agencies in doing that. What neither one have mentioned yet has been operational technology. We're going into an environment where OT is going to be increasingly important, certain to the, certainly to the Army, but even to agencies that still have brick and mortar headquarters, because you know, we increasingly have sensors for everything from filtration to other parts of public health to physical security that are going to be connected. And we've seen attackers start to leverage these. And if you look at things strategically, Luke, you know, as somebody who spent 30 plus years in the federal government, I don't know that I've ever seen a first year for an administration that's had more 
executive orders, national security memos on cybersecurity than we have. So your to-do list in the federal government on cybersecurity has gotten really long. So helping agencies on the path to implementing those things, accelerating the migration to the cloud, zero trust, the buzzword of the year, something the federal government pioneered, is something where there are a lot of increasingly secure commercial solutions and helping these agencies be able to meet the aggressive but necessary milestones laid out in these pieces of strategic guidance is something that we at Fortinet have been very much focused on. And we certainly do appreciate that. Uh, yes, executive order comes out in May. I think if I remember, there's like 12 sightings of zero trust in there. Uh, a lot of activity about uh, you will 90 days do this, 130 or 120 days, et cetera. And then just recently another order coming out or another memorandum coming out with clarity on the national security systems and uh, perhaps uh, Ron or whomever can, can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Dave, let's go to you and talk about Verizon. Once again, uh, sure. uh, first of all, thank you and, and all of you for, 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 for being there and supporting this, uh, this remote environment over the last ten, two years. I think it's just amazing how that was somewhat flawless that we were able to spin on a dime and have millions of people operating in a different kind of model. And, and that didn't become the secondary story, so to speak. Uh, but you're in a unique position there to, to see a lot of things across the spectrum. What are you seeing there, Dave? Yeah. Hey, good afternoon, Luke. Thanks for the opportunity and appreciate the question. Uh, it's interesting. Um, really, everybody has touched already on a lot of those things that we're seeing that are critical. And, and the interesting thing we're seeing is um, I see it from the tactical edge, the operational uh, environment, all the way back to strategic headquarters, right? It's being infected, impacted, not just what I think um, – they're mentioning earlier relative to the cyber and that chain across it, but also from a standpoint of engagement. Um, previously to this uh, current job that I'm in, I was around data management, data governance, and data is so vitally important, right? It goes over the network, but it's really one of our critical assets. And I think I've seen a lot of that, obviously the concern with remote working and remote operations, how do we secure that information? How do we still get all our mission critical people engaged and, and involved? Um, and it has evolved over the last year, right? We were two years into this, uh, environment uh, that we're currently in, and we're seeing it as we start to, I'll be cautious of the word coming out of it, but, you know, let's put it in context, right? We're moving into a different environment, and we're transitioning in some aspects, but what we're seeing is that still that level of engagement and collaboration at the same time ensuring that we're securing our, our vital things, two things, people and data, and, and I think we're seeing a lot of that, and one of the things that we do specifically, I think, is a little unknown, uh, we do a lot of the managed services around cyber and, and securing and the reliability of the network. And mm. I think that's critical. The infrastructure is so vital to have a reliable, secure network, as everyone, I think, would agree here. But I think the other piece is that data piece. And I think um, that's the one thing that as we go forward, um, not only preventing these attacks from outside, inside, but it's also ensuring the house is in order and the house is secure. So as long as we can be a um, you know, force multiplier to support the government, we're, you know, we're happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Mark, let's roll up to you. And uh, uh, you gave us a little bit about the state of the state, what you're seeing out there. Give us a specific example of a program that you'd like to highlight, point out uh, that uh, uh, is being implemented in the community um, from the perspective of, of where you all sit. Yeah, so the program that I'd like to highlight is the one we've been working on for over a year now. It's the Department of the Air Force and their CNAP program. The CNAP stands for uh, Cloud Native Access Point. Uh, that was uh, a document that was released by the Department of Defense back in August of 2021. 
uh, basically looking at infrastructure as code. Uh, so taking a lot of the cloud one initiatives and overlaying them. Um, we're doing what's called CNAP in a box for the on-prem data centers. And the analogy I'd like to say is if you have a tennis court, you can only access it certain times of the day, certain times of the year. But if you put a tennis bubble over the top of the tennis court, it's basically 24 7, 365. And that's the CNAP initiative with the Department of the Air Force. They're taking a zero trust security stack that's been vetted and tested and now putting it in Air Force and now Space Force legacy data centers to increase the cyber resiliency and to prevent lateral movement in our case. So we've been selected as the micro segmentation vendor for that initiative. Uh, we've now got uh, three, we're involved in three projects. We're on production networks and we uh, feel that they're going to roll that out even more uh, in fiscal year, this federal fiscal year 22. Uh, my estimation is based on talking with many people in the federal government, both in the civilian and military and intelligence areas, uh, the Department of the Air Force is about 15 months ahead uh, uh, anywhere else uh, out there right now. Doesn't mean that anybody else can't catch up, but they have taken uh, a lot of uh, initiative. And you know what we look forward to and hope that other agencies and commands will do is take the lessons learned and then maybe they tweak it a little bit. Maybe they you know, add or take away one or two vendors or something like that from the security stack, depending on that environment, but at least take those lessons learned and accelerate the adoption because we all don't have time to wait, right? We have to take initiative and we have to have a high degree and a sense of urgency. And, you know, you can come back to me later, but there's a, a big uh, amount of language in the recently signed uh, Na uh, National Defense Authorization Act, right? It was signed in the uh, law by the president on the 27th of December of last month. And there's a whole section on zero trust. And I believe there's a section in there on how um, the DOD needs to work with CISA, which is obviously the lead agency inside of the civilian area, but also one of the top three uh, in the government in general, uh, pushing uh, cyber, in it, cyber and zero trust. A lot of clarity uh, being uh, 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 issued out of the, the White House, which I think is, is a good thing, but a lot of work to do there working at the speed of mission and, and at the speed of these bad actors. Ron, give us a, uh, a uh, an example that you'd like to highlight. You pointed out the 365 activity, sort of covered the base on that one. What else do you have going on over at the U.S. Army Command that you'd like to highlight? And I know there, again, a lot of activity coming out of the White House uh, as recent as just a few days ago in regards to uh, more direction on the national security systems. No doubt you have a lot of those. Yeah, I'd like to highlight, again, I already mentioned the scope and scale, just when you think about the, the amount of endpoints we have when you have 1.4 million users. And so a really a key program that we have uh, really rolled out and absolutely leveraged over the last 18 months is, is an endpoint security and management uh, suite of tools we call the Army Enterprise Security Solutions. Mm. And this is a set of uh, industry leading tools from many different vendors that we have working in a common ecosystem that really allows us to have the visibility to manage configuration, match um, and, and, and manage an endpoint detection and response, what's going on with all of those endpoints. And when you think about the variety of, you know, just breaches over the last year with SolarWinds and the Microsoft Exchange and, and a variety now Log4j, having that visibility on that endpoint security and management is absolutely critical 
And being able to not just have the visibility, but be able to remediate and at speed is absolutely critical. Uh, the capability we have now, we're really managing the hardware and software, but the next generation, and again, it's a variety of the best industry leading tools, we're looking to go to really a managed service provider to really then go to the next level with the capabilities from industry. So this is the Army's and uh, Army Enterprise Security Solutions Suite, I think is a really success story. Now, is that fully rolled out at this point, fully realized? Yes, yes. Wow, uh, large scale implementation. So congratulations uh, to you on that. Uh, Dave, let's talk about uh, what you're seeing over there at Verizon. Give us an example of a program that you'd like to highlight in regards to the cyber ecosystem here. Yeah, um, actually to kind of tail off what Ron was saying with a big initiative the Army's doing um, and looking at the proliferation of endpoints, right? With the remote operations, with people being out there, uh, we're being asked a lot to, you know, deal with mobile edge computing. What can we do uh, on that edge? I mentioned a second ago about, you know, the tactical edge, the, the operations center to the strategic operations uh, headquarters. And so we've done some work um, actually on the civilian side uh, of the federal government and also on the DOD side, uh, Joint Base Pearl, we're, we're working with them relative to putting out some the mobile edge computing and working with that environment. Um, the connected bases where uh, Miramar, we're doing uh, some work there as well. Um, and it's specifically around how do we provide some of these base capabilities. Uh, some of the civilian agencies are asking us to, to look at what we're doing in the commercial sector about connected cities. And it's really, I think what we're seeing is a lot of this, hey, we're looking to the future. How do we progress there? We're still doing all the critical infrastructure, but we also have to be leaning forward and how can we secure that piece of it? So we're doing a lot around the mobile edge computing. It seems like every week, whether it's an intelligence community entity or um, someone in DOD, uh, Special Operations Command asking us, hey, we'd like to partner and look at the potential of what we're doing on the edge, whether it's the tactical edge or whether it's just um, you know out doing uh, any type of operations. We see a lot of it in first responding. Um, you know, how do we can still do operations? We just saw last year with the Hurricane Ida, um, we sent a large force out there to, to be able to secure and help folks. But in that, I mentioned all those examples to come back to this. It's really about securing and having a reliable network to be able to do what you need to do with not compromising security. How can we get people engaged? Because at the end of the day, we need to have everyone together, be sure we get that information necessary to make those command decisions. I think everyone would agree with that. And how do we get it in a timely manner and make sure that it is secure, but we can also still be forward leaning. And so I know there's a few different examples, but I just see that's kind of the state of what we're seeing and a lot more, how can we look to the future and how can we implement that today? Um, and it's at that, that speed of acceleration with not compromising security that's vital. And um, that's one of the things we do here is we start internally securing our network so we can get a lot of that lessons learned and apply that back out to the community. And I think that's what's been very valuable to us, um, especially over these last two years. Right. Uh, the edge is key, making sure it's reliable and secure. Very key. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network.
Illumio, the leader in zero trust segmentation, is your last line of defense against cyber attacks. Detection and perimeter defenses are no longer enough. Your agency's or command's network will be breached, but an attack has to move laterally across your network to find and steal your valuable data and digital assets. Illumio stops attacks from moving and lets you see your risks, isolate attacks, and secure your mission-critical systems. Safeguard your operations and stop cyber threats in their tracks with Illumio, the leader in zero trust segmentation. To ensure mission success, agency professionals must secure networks, devices, and data. To do this, they need broad visibility across attack vectors, plus integrated tools and automated self-healing networks. Fortinet Federal tightly integrates security with networking to simplify operations and improve agency cyber defense. Let Fortinet Federal help protect your critical information assets with consistent security at every edge. See FortinetFederal.com. That's FortinetFederal.com. Advancements in technologies present federal agencies with both opportunities and challenges. At Verizon, we embrace those challenges. Verizon invests billions in our global networks every year to deliver secure data reliably. Our advanced communication solutions and modern call centers connect your workforce and citizens in the office, in the field, and internationally. We're committed to modernization that delivers better mission results faster. Verizon, we don't wait for the future. We build it. VerizonEnterprise.com slash federal IT. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about cybersecurity and defense and homeland. And I uh, want to roll back up to you, Bob, and talk about a specific program. Again, you've been over there two or three months. I think it's been, I can't remember, uh, but a short time. But you've been in the community for quite some time here. Uh, give us a highlight of something that you'd like to point out uh, in regards to some of the, uh, the activity that's going on over there at CISA. Sure. So uh, a couple initiatives that, that I think are really important to us. So I, I've taken a, a different approach, uh, you know, as I'm, I'm new to this role. So we're running a lot of proof of values and proof of concepts, and I'm working really extensively with my team on how to do those effectively so that we have good outcomes and good reports from them. So we're doing a lot of that to, uh, you know, continue to push forward on zero trust, which is vitally important to us. Uh, to protect our, you know, most critical systems, as, as well as just our, our general operating environment. Uh, the second area that I'm concentrating extremely heavily on is ATO modernization. It makes no sense to roll out these great new solutions and then try and go through the old paperwork uh, ATO process. Uh, I want it to be very agile. I want it to be automated where possible. And I, I want it to be effective for the operators so that we're not tying people up producing documentation that, that maybe doesn't uh, produce true security value. The third area I'm extremely proud uh, to have been a part of is the Hack DHS uh, initiative, which has been extremely uh, positive. It was a great partnership between CISA and DHS headquarters, uh, and we had amazing support uh, from the secretary and the director of CISA and the DHS CIO. Uh, I'm going to expand that effort here uh, and expand our internal pen testing uh, because I see huge value from, from that approach. And we absolutely want to continue to partner with the hacker community. And it's produced great results in just four short months. Well, I was gonna I was gonna try to put you on the spot there. I know you can't tell us the, the special sauce, but uh, just an observation of what 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 you what you all discovered during that exercise. Sure. Uh, well, first we discovered that our system owners were more receptive than we thought, which was wonderful. Uh, you know, I think at first when you go into something new, people are 
typically afraid. We don't like change. What are they going to find? We, we had generally positive responses across the board. Uh, the, the partnership, uh, which you can all view uh, on the DHS website uh, that explains the program more, um, has been just very positive. It, it certainly has found some vulnerabilities. I don't have the, uh, the exact uh, numbers with me right now, but uh, it's helped us and it's helped us as a department get better. It's helped our teams get better. Uh, it's helping me internally with my team, uh, you know, take a new and innovative approach to securing our systems and partnering uh, with a wider breadth uh, of the overall com community, which is, is something that CISA uh, is absolutely uh, pushing forward with across the board. Yeah, you know, it's amazing that when you peer review anything, it's just, and, and, and people look at it from a completely different uh, set of lenses, what you can discover. So I applaud you all for really uh, challenging yourselves to do that. And uh, I'm sure it was great results. Jim, how about over at Fortinet? Give us a, a, a specific example that you'd like to highlight in regards to uh, what's happening with the, uh, the cyber ecosystem from where you all sit. Okay, thank you, Luke. Now, we don't name specific agencies. Uh, of course. Their, their confidentiality. So let me focus on a, a programmatic capabilities, software-defined wide area networking or, or SD-WAN and how we used it to support several large cabinet level agencies that literally have a nationwide footprint. Now, over the last couple of years, of course, they've had their workforce working from home. So they've needed to accelerate their migration to the cloud and they've wanted to use software as a service, SaaS, to do that. The challenge is they had legacy network architecture that routed all their internet bound traffic, both directions through a central point. You could call it the trombone or the boomerang. And implementing secure SD-WAN allowed them to be able to let the users go directly to the internet without routing through that artificial choke point, improve performance, and because branch offices were still important. Even when we did work from home, there were some people who still had to go in and making these networks in the field software defined allowed them to be centrally managed and configured. So this was a win-win. Uh, the same devices that were doing this routing are also next generation firewalls. So you got this better performance the users relied on. You could have this fully encrypted traffic that the agency could still peer into. So you're getting the kind of visibility, as Ron said, you need visibility. You can start supporting zero trust in this fashion because you can tune the level of performance. You could optimize it for things like the video collaboration we're on, deprioritize other things, have smart network routing. So if we start getting you know, a problem with broadband, you fall back to something else. It's a, it was a way that the users were happier, the agency could accomplish its mission, and you could support the foundational things you needed to do like zero trust, demonstrating compliance and demonstrating the ability to do smart incident response and have playbooks that you could you could leverage that would give you the visibility from the endpoint back into the core. Very critical uh, aspect of the uh, of the ecosystem here. Dave, let's go to you and talk about priorities. You've got internal priorities within Verizon, obviously. I think you pointed some of that out. Uh, you've got uh, sort of external with the customers, if you will. Uh, tell us about these priorities for, for this year. Top three priorities for you all. Well, um, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, where we look and, and see, um, and obviously we have a, a commercial uh, outlook as well. Um, so I'll try to tie it a little bit more into this space. Um, we're, we're looking from a security standpoint, one of the things we're really uh, focusing in on is how we can bring the security that it, it integrates in. We talk about zero trust architecture and a lot of our 
uh, services around that are really focused on that security piece of it within the network and the reliability of it, but also making it seamless. So it's kind of, uh, it follows you where you go from a security aspect. And that's very important for us because we know that it'll deliver, we talked about, you know, proliferation of endpoints and, and the edge, but uh, I think that's critical for us. Um, one of the things we're doing is, uh, especially on the mobility front, um, with everybody in this mobile workforce, relative to the environment we're currently in, is how, how we can secure that, not just on the mobile edge, but also leveraging, um, we just announced, um, you know, some of this uh, ultra band, which is allowing us to be more forward-leaning in some of the capabilities, um, more collaborative, more uh, interactive, allowing people to, to really press um, and be engaged with all uh, still being able to get to the people, information, data, et cetera. And, and I think that's gonna be critical going forward because um, with devices becomes more pull on the network and how do we can you know, ensure that we're, we're getting the quality and we're getting the, um, the capability delivered. Um, and I think the other thing is we're, we're seeing a lot of the support uh, from the standpoint of um, services, some of these commercial services uh, and how we can deliver them, especially when it comes um, to looking at solutions, working with partners from this, you know, from the zero trust architecture, which was alluded to earlier uh, from the president's directive and what's coming down um, and really using a leverage industry. And so we're, we're looking at that as how we can partner and deliver those, uh, especially around the federal government, uh, DOD and the intelligence community, because we think it's going to be vital going forward. And one of the things is we'd have to balance between the agility and security. We never compromise security, but we're in that balance so we can have be agile, we can make sure we can deliver the services and capabilities. At the same time, um, we have to be kind of leaning forward and proactive. We have a very um, aggressive adversaries who are coming in. Ron knows that better, and, and of course Rob does too, uh, the, uh, all of us, um, what's happening and how do we can be not just defensive and protect the infrastructure, but how we can be proactive and kind of lean forward from an offensive standpoint. Absolutely. Uh, speed of mission, if you will. Uh, Bob, how about at, uh, at CISA? Again, been over there a few months. I know you've laid down, sort of crystallized your priorities for 2022. Give us, a, give us, a, give us that top three. Uh, well, first, uh, people, people, people. Uh, you of know, course. that's going to be our first uh, there, uh, you know, CISA is hiring, right, Rob? CISA is absolutely hiring. Uh, and we also, uh, you know, rolled out CTMS earlier this year, the cyber talent management system, which is a new uh, accepted service that gives us a, a wide breadth of um, capabilities to, to hire. So I, I, I think, you know, first is, is people. Mm -hmm. Second is uh, modernizing the office. And that's taking a hard look at our, again, uh, the, the authorization process, uh, and then the uh, engineering lifecycle process is my, my second area. I want to make sure that that is really agile and, and really lets people perform. And the third is uh, you know, really ensuring uh, that we're implementing and adhering as quickly as possible to the executive orders, and that we're making good forward movement on zero trust and other things like uh, multi-factor uh, authentication and looking at our identity systems as well, which ties back to the the MFA. Yeah, uh, undoubtedly in a uh, in very much a a, a build up mode, right? Uh, so that you can support all these various initiatives. And I applaud you for that, Mark. Let's go to you and talk about priorities for this year. Yeah, I think uh, here at Illumio and as we work with our federal partners, uh, a couple of priorities. Obviously, one. Uh, moving from the pilot phase, multiple pilot phases to more of an enterprise approach or rollout. So that's one thing. 
uh, at uh, not only at uh, you know the Department of the Air Force, but other uh, agencies that we're working with now. Also, uh, we're seeing working uh, more uh, on cyber initiatives for weapon systems, right? That's one of the areas that I think a lot of people uh, overlook. Uh, you know, weapon systems, as we define it from an IT perspective, are going to be mission computers, and right, each each like each Air Air Force jet or uh, uh, Army uh, striker vehicle, or even uh, you know, on the civilian side, for deployed tactical networks, you know, um, you know, they can be considered you know, some sort of a weapon system. Uh, these are very unprotected and uh, are, are subject to uh, adversary uh, attack. And if they get into one machine and they plant a, a malware, it can spread very quickly and bring down the mission. So uh, we want to make sure that those cyber weapon systems are protected. Uh, and according to the National Defense Authorization Act, that actually is included in the language, not only with you know, on-prem, in cloud, but they're also talking about weapon systems. Uh, and um, the other thing that uh, I want to have as a tangential to that is we have to also remember about our satellites. Uh, they're very unprotected right now from a cyber attack. And you know, the Russians and the Chinese have been actually uh, really uh, working on uh, offensive cyber weapons in, in space. And we need a way to prevent that lateral movement there as well. So we see that as uh, some um, big priorities. Uh, and also moving a lot of our work that we're doing, we have some work right now in classified networks or air gap networks uh, and bringing a lot of the zero trust initiatives to those areas as well, right? A lot of the uh, folks are talking about moving to the cloud and that's all well and good depending on the application. But when you have uh, classified systems and some of them mission critical, I'm not sure if any of those are ever gonna move to the cloud and you're gonna need to have uh, zero trust architecture principles applied to these systems so that, uh, you know, the insider threat uh, issue will be addressed and somebody can't uh, take the keys to the kingdom, as it were, and, uh, and leave the room like we had recently with Snowden. Yes, you know, these collateral systems, uh, these embedded systems, uh, very uh, tricky, and the insider threat all very important aspects that you really need to button up and thinking, I think about embedded systems and I can't think of how massive that challenge must be, Ron, to you all over at the Army. Tell us about the priorities that you have uh, laid down. Give us your top three or four uh, that you're gonna be focused on this year in 2022. Yeah, as and, and that's a great lead in. And as has been discussed about the zero trust architecture and principles, recognize it's really a framework and a journey. It's not a not a thing, but a critical key uh, a priority for 20, 2022, as directed by the DOD CIO and US Cyber Command, is an initiative called Comply to Connect. And this really is the next uh, major step in that network security um, so that we can, we can lead to discovery, identification, and documenting all endpoints. And it really is about, um, you know, that that you limit the you understand what all the endpoints are you limit the access of those endpoints to what they have uh demonstrated credentials to get access to um and this is this is really really critical and it's both for external uh malicious cyber actors but at luke as you mentioned it also is important from an insider threat point of view so comply to connect is a major initiative in the dod uh, and clearly that's a priority then for the army i would say the the next next one which we're also working and it's again related in this larger zero trust uh, journey is we are restructuring our active directories 
Um, really grew up uh, the Army variety of networks from a theater construct. And, and we're really moving this year to have an enterprise domain construct. So we're completely reworking our Active Directory and that will be absolutely critical. Um, again, related also with the Comply to Connect, but as, as users move, because the Army is very deployable, as users move around the world, being able to seamlessly reconnect from wherever you're at, opposed to having to re-image computers uh, in the previous domain. Uh, theater domain construct. And then I would say, uh, building on what Robert said, again, this all requires us having the highest trained and qualified workforce, both military and civilian. And so our construct about acquiring, developing, employing, and retaining the best talent we can, we can have. There's a lot of tremendous opportunities uh, in the Army, both for military and civilian. And we have some of the really tremendous opportunities for uh, for civilians uh, around the world. And so uh, having that that workforce is critical, uh, not only for operations, but for sure for cybersecurity. I'm curious to know how these uh, these executive orders that have come out, uh, the recent uh, guidance that's come out of the, the White House, how's that sort of... Uh, is that uh, um, adjusting your priorities or, or just allowing you to implement these priorities much, much easier with some clarity and authority? I'm just curious about that. Yeah, so um, I, I really think in many ways it's complementary. Uh, clearly the Army is part of the Department of Defense. And when you think, really think about, as we say, uh, there's a DOD information network. There is not an Army separate uh, we view it as we'd have the Army portion of the DOD information network. And so what uh, is directed from the Office Secretary Defense level, uh, principally by the DOD CIO, and then with U.S. Cyber Command, as they are absolutely have the responsibility to operate and defend across that DOD network, uh, we're really part of that. So there's a lot of synergy of what the DOD is working and the direction from the administration. I think it feeds back to itself. Again, the DOD, uh, given the scope and scale, is a, obviously a huge player across the federal government. And, and I think it's complementary uh, about moving it forward. It isn't any you know, hard left or hard right. It's evolving forward. And we're very in sync with what the administration has been putting out or what was referenced in the recent National Defense Authorization Act. It's very consistent with where we're moving. Uh, the challenge is, can we move the pace of which we can move there, right? It's absolutely critical to the Army, to Army readiness and modernization to have that uh, resilient, capable uh, network environment enterprise, the tactical. And so it is about moving forward about the pace, uh, about readiness and modernization. Absolutely. So it sounds like uh, it really sort of helps pave the path for you as you implement these various priorities for the upcoming year. All right, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. 
Advancements in technologies present federal agencies with both opportunities and challenges. At Verizon, we embrace those challenges. Verizon invests billions in our global networks every year to deliver secure data reliably. Our advanced communication solutions and modern call centers connect your workforce and citizens in the office, in the field, and internationally. We're committed to modernization that delivers better mission results faster. Verizon, we don't wait for the future. We build it. VerizonEnterprise.com slash federal IT. To ensure mission success, agency professionals must secure networks, devices, and data. To do this, they need broad visibility across attack vectors, plus integrated tools and automated self-healing networks. Fortinet Federal tightly integrates security with networking to simplify operations and improve agency cyber defense. Let Fortinet Federal help protect your critical information assets with consistent security at every edge. See FortinetFederal.com. That's FortinetFederal.com. Illumio, the leader in zero trust segmentation, is your last line of defense against cyber attacks. Detection and perimeter defenses are no longer enough. Your agency's or command's network will be breached, but an attack has to move laterally across your network to find and steal your valuable data and digital assets. Illumio stops attacks from moving and lets you see your risks, isolate attacks, and secure your mission-critical systems. Safeguard your operations and stop cyber threats in their tracks with Illumio, the leader in zero trust segmentation. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We are talking about priorities right now in regards to the cyber challenges and the cyber domains, national security, both DOD and uh, Homeland Security. Jim, I'm going to throw it over to you and talk to us about priorities for this year. Okay. Let me give you three priorities for Fortinet. Supply chain simplification and automation of response. Uh, supply chain. Fortinet is actually the world's biggest producer of security devices. We ship as many next generation firewalls, for instance, as the next three biggest vendors combined. And while this gives us economies of scale and production and the abilities to see a vast amount of threat data, we recognize that supply chain security and demonstrating this to the federal government is increasingly important. So one of our priorities for this year is customizing the manufacture and handling of products that are dedicated to the federal government and its prime contractors. For example, demonstrating the validation of these key foundational products down to the component level and creating a secure software vault where the proprietary code is safe from, uh, from outside access, but where we can give US government customers the ability to inspect the code to ensure integrity. Simplification. We've talked repeatedly in this, in this uh, show about zero trust, but the reality is implementing a zero trust architecture requires that you do half a dozen or more discrete functions. And that can be a lot of stuff to buy and build and then to maintain. So can you simplify it down to two things? It's a connection. So you have two ends of that connection. Can you have something that's at the enterprise end? Can you have something that's at the client end, the endpoint, and that's ideally software downloadable? And the answer is yes. We've actually got solutions that will do that. And then automation of response. I think the top of mind threat that, that not only IT professionals, but at this point, executives and corporate boards worry about is ransomware. And the reality is if you're responding to ransomware in minutes and it's executing in seconds, it's game over. So what you've got to do is you have to automate the ability at the endpoint to have behavioral analytics that can look at what's happening, that can put something in a virtual environment, a sandbox, look at it and say, bad, stop it, even roll it back. And then can you have 
automation in the, at the security operations center to allow you to do the kind of orchestration you need to deal with those kind of dynamic and damaging activities. Absolutely. I'm uh, going to roll over to lessons learned. Ron, I want to start with you. Top lesson learned as you've gone on this journey trying to implement these various capabilities, uh, a million plus, there's lots of things that you discovered. Top lesson learned. Um, big data analytics, uh, building mm -hmm. upon what actually Tim just was talking about. The ability to uh, understand your environment, see yourself and understand what is anomalous behavior and to be able to, uh, to do that at speed is incredibly important. And, and within the Army, our big data platform is really leveraging the best uh, open source software. We call it Gabriel Nimbus inside, inside the Army but it really allows us to, to move very quickly. When you look at the, the incidents over the last year, it's not only about understanding that anonymous behavior, but it's also gives us the ability based upon uh, all the sensor data we have going into our big data platform to be able to go back and look, when did we see an activity? And we're able to go back to understand, you know, what was patient zero or, or where was the indication of compromise? And so that is incredibly important. We've also brought into that big data platform commercial threat intelligence. Um, and we also uh, leverage uh, industry capabilities for looking at ourselves from the ex external, again, which is incredibly important. And we bring that all together. So we're able to, in our, in our operations center, be able to understand and respond much faster. That is incredibly important in this world we're in today. And no doubt trying to do that at machine speed, uh, which is really important to find that needle in a stack of needles, if you will. Bob Costello, uh, top lesson learned, uh, perhaps uh, at your short tenure at, uh, at, uh, at CISA, but perhaps you can expand that a little bit. Uh, you, you, you've been in the environment in DHS for some time. What's the lesson learned there? Well, what's the uh, pearls of wisdom you'd like to share with the community? I, I don't know if I have many uh, pearls of wisdom. I, I think that, uh, what I would always advise people is like, you can't go it alone. We need our partner community. We need good connections with the research community. Uh, private sector uh, is absolutely critical to our success here at CISA. Uh, critical for me and, and lessons learned is that you have to listen a lot more the higher up you go. So I, you know, I have to be very receptive that maybe the ways that I did things when I was hands-on keyboard or in different roles maybe aren't the right ways now. So it comes back to my, my relentless focus on people. The other is, is that I want to, to work with my teams and inject that operator uh, focused mindset uh, that, that we had at, you know, when you and I were at ICE or, or CBP, we want to have a deep relationship with our operators and, and, and the entire agency's customer base to ensure we're meeting their mission requirements while ensuring that we have the best cybersecurity posture possible. So those would be just some words of advice I have for, for people either looking to, to move up or to, to be successful in cybersecurity. Fantastic, uh, great advice and uh, good insight there. We're gonna wrap it up with this last question. Of course, we could talk all day, but we don't have all day, uh, but we do have a few more moments. And I'm gonna start with you, Dave, and uh, paint a picture of the future. You know, what, What's it gonna look like in two to three years, what's the demand signal you're seeing across the private public sector uh, customer base, if you will, in regards to this aspect of cybersecurity? 
Yeah, thank you, Luke. A question. Um, it, it's interesting because there's a lot of futuristic or modernization talk uh, in parallel that's going on now that we're being asked about. Um, I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. I've been drawn in on intelligence community and some uh, agencies saying, okay, we want to look to not just mobile edge, and obviously that doesn't normally sit uh, in a lot of people's minds, but we look from a tactical edge or trying to uh, position out. Um, one of the things is security is quantum uh, uh, key distribution. Um, we've been, we just did, recently did a test um, from the commercial side um, overseas and back here and was very effective. Um, we're being asked more about that. Now, again, I know that's kind of a uh, futuristic or down the road type thing, but I can see that being more and more proliferated, uh, you know, a couple of years out. Um, people, how do we look at that? It's still in, in its uh, leading edge state of it. It has a lot of maturity to do in that regard. But how do we secure? Because we have a very aggressive adversary. And I say plural on that because it's not just the, the name players we think about, China, Russia, but there's others that we can throw in there that are being very aggressive. And I think that's important. As we started to see this adoption to some cloud of native security platform, again, someone alluded to it earlier, we're not going to have everybody go to the cloud. However, um, it's important that those security requirements from the beginning on that platform, and we're going to see more and more of that. You know, one element I see that is SASE when you start to see about this, the secure access uh, service edge. Uh, implemented. What we've seen even today is that with SASE and zero trust architecture, what effective capabilities are being brought to bear today. So I think that'll be more mature, more activated uh, across uh, different organizations and agencies. And, and I think the one thing, and just maybe kind of taking off Rob's comment about more, you know, words of advice, is uh, I think the partnerships that we have in the community. Listen, the industry has a lot of technology that is forward leaning. Um, now, does all of it apply specifically to our market and can do today? That's not the point. The point is, how do we insert those mission requirements of the DOD and the IC and the federal government and insert them into uh, our field so we can bring those capabilities and then start to partner with some of these that bring that holistic chain where we're talking application layer, data layer, and provide that to the community. I think doing that brings a lot of value. And I think at the same time, it also goes back to my comment about agility and security and that balance between those two. So I think that'll be more flush in the future uh, over the next one, two years. Absolutely, and I really do appreciate that. Jim, what's it gonna look like in two to three years? What's, uh, what's out of the Petri dish and uh, sort of in the pipeline to be implemented at Fortinet? What's it gonna look like over the next couple of years? Well, look, when I, when I think of the future, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two things, convergence and AI. Uh, zero Trust basically says, let's make security not be defined based on location. And I think we as IT and security professionals will succeed when we say, take that to the next level and say, look, we have cloud, we have edge computing, we have software defined networking. We should make the location of the user, the data and the computing resource irrelevant. It really should be about enabling and securing the connection, full stop. We shouldn't be saying under these conditions, we do it this way, or you have to trade off security and performance. We succeed when we make these inseparable. And artificial intelligence, uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, Dave just talked about what, the, what partners bring to this. The industry's got 10 plus years experience doing cyber artificial intelligence. It's gotten really powerful, sub-second abilities to do, make determinations. It's portable enough that we can give you the ability to deploy this within agencies so we don't even have to work with you on this. So this gives us the ability to detect those anomalies that Ron talked about. We can, to put it in Star Wars terms, detect a disturbance in the force and automate your ability to respond, but to do it in a fashion that the human can control. It's a chatbot, not a Terminator Skynet. That's the future. 
Future looks bright and very important. Really do appreciate it. Mark, how about at Illumio? Uh, what's it going to look like in a couple of years from where you all sit? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I wanted to, if I could, just briefly talk about, you know, the lesson learned that we had um, recently over the last year or so, uh, and that's visibility. Uh, I think uh, I think Jim alluded to the fact that Zero Trust can be seen as a really complicated endeavor that may take a long time. Uh, I believe that the most important place to start is you have to be able to see your network in real time to be able to understand the connections and what's talking to what and realize, is this what I want or is this a security violation? And unfortunately, right now, uh, the majority of the federal networks, we can't see what's talking to what from workload and application perspective. So the lesson learned that we see is to give that visibility. The idea is you can't do something about an enemy that you can't see coming. Right. So I like the idea of the eyes on target. And, you know, back to the uh, I'm a big Star Wars fan. So thanks for the uh, the tee up. But, you know, Yoda always would say there is no try. There's only do or not do. And that really applies to the cybersecurity. Sorry, the cyber attackers. They're not trying to attack us. They're going to attack us. And we can't try to defend. We either have to defend or we don't. And I think uh, we have to have a solid uh, way forward. Uh, one of the ways that we do that. Uh, here at Illumio is we're able to uh, take that map, right, that real-time networking map that we can see for the first time, and then we can ingest vulnerability data. Uh, so you can now have a score. So each of the open ports or each of the connections will have a vulnerability score. Maybe one is 83 and another one at the bottom of the list is number seven. And now you know, using military uh, principles, prioritize and execute, right? So now I go to the highest vulnerability, and now I start to close the attack vector. Uh, that's the really the only way forward, instead of just sort of, you know, playing 52 card pickup with a bunch of uh, playing cards and figuring out, well, maybe I go to this one over here first for zero trust and this one over here for zero trust. It, it, that's maddening and we're going to continue to get attacked. So, so it's the visibility piece, it's the prioritize and execute. Uh, and then I see uh, really a lot of the work that we're doing around uh, micro segmentation, expanding beyond just the high value assets, right? So for example, on the commercial side, we started um, working with Morgan Stanley, uh, one of the largest banks in the world, uh, a couple of years ago with 50 workloads. And now they're at 350,000 workloads. So uh, currently they have the largest deployment of zero trust micro segmentation in the world. So uh, I believe that, you know, sometimes the government can be a little bit behind the commercial space, but they can use the commercial uh, space as lessons learned to accelerate their own journey. And I see that in the next two to three years, uh, there's going to be uh, really a, a de-emphasis on the word zero trust and a, more of an emphasis on micro segmentation, specifically focusing on the host, uh, which is uh, giving you that unlimited scalability. So no doubt about it. And yes, uh, uh, now more than ever, uh, portability from the uh, uh, the private sector capabilities over to the public sector. Bob, uh, you're on a journey there. Two to three years, and now you you look around. What, what, what's it going to look like in, in 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 your mind? You know, what's the department uh, asking you to do? What's your leadership asking you to do? You know, what does it look like? You, you're post zero trust at that point. Give us a state of the state. What's it going to feel like at that point? Sure. And, and I don't know if we ever get post uh, zero trust. It should be part of how we design new systems. And it's it's going to take a long time. You know, most of the federal government has a lot of legacy systems. Sure. And it can be difficult. Uh, I think what I see in two or three years, particularly here at CISA, 
is an organization that people want to come to to work at because it's much more like the private sector. You're getting good IT. We're moving fast. Uh, you know, we're, we're having an extremely diverse workforce. And, you know, we're really on the cutting edge. I, I think in two or three years, it's always hard to, to guess where cybersecurity will be. None of us maybe fully anticipated solar winds, except in some circles. Uh, but, you know, we know we all need to be working towards collectively private and public sector on things like SBOM and other areas. And so I, I think in two or three years, uh, at least for my organization, I think you're going to see a very, very mature uh, CIO's office where people are working together and supporting our operators and, and just leading the way internally. My role is to support the internal operations of CISA. And I really foresee that the rest of, well, I hope that the rest of DHS is, is going to be coming to my teams for them to go work for them and for my team to take on leadership roles across the department and the federal government, because we're going to really, you know, lead the way in delivery and, you know, just pushing forward. I, I really want in two or three years to, to be a hallmark for doing IT acquisition, for doing cybersecurity, and for having a positive and growing workforce. Uh, no doubt that uh, you, you, you're absolutely laser focused on the uh, the gold standard, and uh, everyone's looking forward to that. Really do appreciate it. And again, congratulations on the uh, the new appointment, Ron. How about at U.S. Army Cyber Command? Uh, you, you talked about uh, sort of some of the stuff you're thinking about doing in the future with uh, you know rolling to all services, et cetera. If I'm coming out of the military academy and I show up, you know, well, what's it going to look like? You're going to hand me a laptop and a uh, and a rifle and say, go off and do good things? Or, you know, what can we expect from a soldier's perspective, an officer's perspective, you know, a, a weapon systems perspective? So so I uh, kind of three three parts of that. Uh, as the other gentlemen have really discussed, it's really about the embracing and moving forward on the zero trust environment, you, you know, that framework, that journey. And that really is moving from the perimeter defense in depth to be, you know, never trust, always verify. Um, and particularly Jim described it very, very well. So that's absolutely critical, I, I think, fully embracing that. The other is to accelerate the adoption of cloud native applications. Mm. And, and that's not only in the enterprise, but there's a big move of that of what it means to our, our, our tactical forces to have uh, the, 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 the time and place access to the information needed. And then, and then what I really want to emphasize, which you really haven't talked about yet today, the cr incredible importance of data. Data is absolutely the new currency that is absolutely critical. Historically, data has been tightly coupled to an application or a weapon system. And it is about how do we really um, uh, embrace data being in a data you know, fabric and widely available to reuse and reuse. Industry has done that really, really well in so many things. And, and I think the, uh, the government has been slower to catch on on this, but data is, is the currency moving forward. And, I, and we're working that really hard in the army. Uh, and I believe that is a key part of the way ahead. And you will see substantial progress, I think, in that area in the next two to three years. Well, we really appreciate it. I want to thank all the guests here for taking the time out of your busy schedules and for everything that you do to keep this country safe. I'd like to thank uh, uh, the, uh, uh, all the folks on the program here, and I'd like to thank the sponsors for supporting us on this show. 
I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the listening audience that tune in every month. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.